Virtual Stud. Mechanics by day, lube job by night. Leather after midnight. Latin crotch rockets. Hunk Hotel. Uncut Glory. Leather Intrusion Case Volume 4. Down to the Wire. Leather Buddies. Transsexual Prostitutes 1 and 2. Manhunt. Cockpit. Butt Blazer. <laughs> buff and Gay. Black Men, White Men. Private Temptations. Halfway House Studs. Guys Who Crave Big Cocks. Radio Drome. I'm Josh Hadley. I've never been famous, and I probably won't be. On the other hand, Cecil T. Cyborg is somewhat famous. I'm internet famous. Trust me, that means you're not famous then. <laughs> I'm kind of famous. People, uh, people know, I had one guy who said that uh, I'm a big deal. Yeah, that was me, and I was just whispering sweet nothings to you. Ooh. Tell it, baby. <laughs> and and then we have the giggling Mimi over there. Peter mm -hmm. never will be famous. Oh, f you. You just wait. You just wait till I release my pop album a la Edward Furlong. <laughs> all you're going to do is go see a movie, scream obscenities and vulgarities for 10 minutes and become a bajillionaire. <laughs> I, I hear that's how it works. And gain like, gain like 800 pounds in a neck beard. You need to really drop this whole introspective analyzation of movies thing. It's clearly not working. You need to just start saying things that make 12-year-olds go, <laughs> and then you'll you'll be rich. This mm. shit's hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is hard? Adam and Eve promos. Cecil? Uh, really? <laughs> um, You're the famous one. Uh, should I get more money for endorsing things? like Kim Kardashian or something. If you go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME, you get 10 free DVDs. Six free DVDs. Uh, six free DVDs, a mystery gift, a gift for him, a gift for her, free U.S. shipping, and I think that's everything at adamandeve.com. Because you don't know if it's going to be for him or her. It could be for both or it could be for in-betweens. Well, what if, like, I want a mystery gift for me? I don't want to get a, you know, like, butt plugs or something. <laughs> so a, a mystery gift for you. <laughs> no, that's a mystery gift for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not into that sort of thing. No, but that sort of thing's into you. Oh, oh, oh my sides. Just, just use, use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. There you go. We're gonna, what we're going to talk about tonight is fame and how fleeting it is. This was prompted by the recent death of Amanda Peterson. Now, you might go, Amanda Peterson? Who the hell is Amanda Peterson? She, she did some TV in the, in the 80s, and then she became kind of a superstar overnight for the 1987 movie Can't Buy Me Love. Then she went back and did some TV, and she was a really big deal for a while. Well, she recently died in Greeley, Colorado at age 43, penniless, a meth addict with no career to speak of. What we're going to talk about tonight is what happens when you stop being famous? What happens after the fame? I mean, when, when you guys saw the Amanda Peterson thing, did you kind of go, oh, wow, I had totally forgotten about her? Or were you <laughs> kind of like, what, she, she's not a thing anymore? I kind of don't really know who who she is i mean i don't even think i've seen can't buy me love or any of her tv work but uh it's really that is really tragic though that that happens to a lot of the the overnight success kind of stars or the a lot of the ones that start out super young like like macaulay culkin and and stuff like that so it's very very tragic that you can go from you know live, living in the million dollar house and making the movies and doing the tv and then you die penniless from a you know, addicted to drugs and in in you're not even like that old, like in your mid forties. Like it really is tragic what uh what the world of Hollywood can do to a person. Cecil, were you surprised when you saw the Amanda Peterson thing? I don't I don't know if surprised is really the right word. I was sad because I hadn't seen her in a while and I mean and there's 
you know, when you watch as much stuff as I do, you kind of do see a lot of actresses come and go and a lot of actors come and go. And sometimes they will do a couple movies, they'll retire from the industry and will just kind of go off and have like a normal life. Uh, some of them will uh, just switch over to like produce or something and then end up having like really ridiculously successful careers it's just they're not in front of the camera so you don't really think about them and then there's mm. other ones like this where she just got involved with you know a i guess the old bad crowd and uh wound up addicted to drugs and just kind of her whole life devolved into a mess and it was sad because I don't want to say like a feel-good movie, but it's one of those like, oh, I'm in a crappy mood. Hey, that's on. I'll watch that because, you know, it's it's funny and it's silly and it's uh, it doesn't require a whole lot of brain power. And it's just a, it's just an entertaining little movie. And she was like that quintessential 80s hot. She was like the perfect girl for that role. It's sad because now, like, uh, in a way, the movie is a little bit tainted because now you, you, you watch it and it's like, Oh, you're like, it's, it's, it's a, just a, a shame that uh, she ended up like that. So uh, I'm not really familiar with a lot of her other work, but I, I just, I, I'm sad that uh, it had to happen to her. Because sometimes when an actor stops getting work, it's their own call. Other times it's, it's not their call. The way that Todd Farmer put it is, is so perfect. Todd Farmer is the writer of Jason X and Drive Angry and My, the My Bloody Valentine remake and a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. that never got made was in Hollywood, they say you're only as good as your last film. He says, no, in Hollywood, it's you're only as good as your last hit film. He went from being an A-list go-to horror sci-fi writer to after Drive Angry's flop to literally being homeless and working at a at a call center for Toyota. Because he said, okay, Drive Angry made $5.1 million. And he said, compare that to Jason X in 2002, which only made $6.6 million and was considered a bomb. So Mm -hmm. not including inflation or the higher 3D ticket prices, Drive Angry killed his career. He said basically he had had meetings set up before Drive Angry came out because you're never as hot as right before your movie comes out. Mm -hmm. After Drive Angry came out and did nothing. All those meetings got rescheduled and never actually came to fruition. Every one of the scripts he was working on got passed on, and he literally had to get a job working at in Toyota customer service for eight fifty an hour, and oh he was God. literally living in his car. So I, you thought, can, I thought my life sucked right now. <laughs> so you, you can fall hard, and people don't realize it, which I think makes the the ridiculous kind of the Hulk Hogan, like, well, that stuff that's come out about him, he's bitching how, oh, my God, I just spent $2.3 million on my daughter's album. And yeah. you're like, do you realize how many people can live on what you spent on yeah. a vanity project for your daughter? I mean, to, he said it like $2.3 million was nothing. Ugh. You know, th- th- these people don't understand what real life is like mm-hmm. anymore. And I think... When you do have somebody like like Todd Farmer who falls, and his story, you know, he did make it back, but his story is very crushing. Yeah. When you realize that most people think once you're famous, you're always famous. Oh no way. Well, now um, it's it's a little different than it was in the old days because you've got a lot of agents and stuff, and if you're if you're smart, you can parlay that into a fairly successful career. Like if you get one real big hit movie you can kind of ride that out a lot longer and you could you'll make a lot more than you would have and you'll make residuals on that and whatnot like there's a a comedian who had a one uh like god a five second line in spider-man and he's still getting residual credits for or residual uh, checks for it. That's Is that what Jim, I don't get. Jim I, Norton? I, 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 yeah, Jim, that's Jim Norton. I don't understand how people cannot live on residuals if things get really bad. Like, it's not much, but like Harlan Ellison wrote some Outer Limits episodes in 1964. Mm-hmm. He said to this day, every month, he still gets a $30 to $40 residual check for a script he wrote over 50 years ago. You take that (laughs) along with an entire career, you should be able to at least pay your rent on residuals alone, wouldn't you think? 
It was like uh, the thing that came out recently with 50 Cent, with him being bankrupt. He made all that money off of vitamin water, and he pissed it all away. And mm. I think that a lot of the people that are doing things that are making money, they don't understand that the money is going to stop at some point. So yeah. they keep spending, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. There's no more money. You know, Nicholas I Cage. Well, no, no, no. Nicholas Cage, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's a, a freaking, uh, from what I've heard, he's addicted to gambling. So he keeps like pissing his money away that way. So I think that it's not a matter of he's just spending, you know, willy nilly. He just is spending beyond his means because he can't control it because he knows that, oh, well, I, you know, if things get bad, I'll just go do uh, left behind and a whole bunch of direct-to-video movies and <laughs> you know, get the money back. And, ah, you know, well, he also bought a whole ton of weird shit for Comic his uh, house. He, he, he bought... He bought his wife said his ex-wife almost a million dollars worth of comic books in one year. <laughs> well, I mean, when when he was hot, dude, he was one of the guys getting like twenty million dollars of film. You know, a million dollars on comics. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money to to you or I. But if if you just made you know a twenty million dollar film or you just got paid twenty million dollars, well, that's you know, but you still have nineteen to go. These people want to continue living a Hollywood lifestyle. For yeah. instance, like, uh, did you guys hear about what happened with Brendan Fraser? How he's claiming, this is his word, he's flat broke. Mm. He still has a net worth of $25 million. And you should Ugh. see his expenses. Alimony, 50000 a month. Mortgage, 5000 Property tax, 6000 Income tax, 34000 Child support, 25000 Gardening, 5000 Various insurances, 5000 Family support and gifts, 5000 Staffing, 3000 oh Now, look at this. He has a live-in staff, and he's bitching that he's broke because he's only <laughs> got $25 million left. F*** Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, indeed, and not even just for that, but because just f Brendan Fraser. The guy stinks anyway. So these people want to continue living a Hollywood lifestyle after they stop being bankable names. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, sometimes the fame, they lose the fame because it's their fault. You know, drugs, or they're difficult, or they have a whole string of bombs, and they made a bunch of bad, bad career decisions all at one time. And sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it's in something that they had nothing to do with. Which are the more tragic, the ones who do it to themselves or the ones where just they stop calling? You know, Hollywood just stops calling. I think when they do it, uh, when, when Hollywood stops calling, it's definitely more tragic because they, they don't really have anything to, to do with that. I don't think uh, Michael Jai White, I don't think, is by any means broke or like, you know, teetering on the on the edge of homelessness or anything like i think the guy's doing good he trains uh trains martial arts and does like like a direct-to-video movie here and there but he is one of those guys that i really feel like has awesome potential to be a much bigger action star uh he was really good in spawn he was even if the uh universal soldier movie he was in wasn't that great he was a really damn good villain in it and made that movie uh i feel a lot more watchable than it should have been yet Hollywood really doesn't call the guy very much, and it's it's even sadder after how fucking good Black Dynamite was, and that should have made him. Even... <laughs> Come on, am I the only one that remembers Michael Jai White when he was back on NYPD Blue? I remember Michael Jai White from Toxic Avenger Two. I remember Michael Jai White from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two. <laughs> of course you do. It doesn't matter how famous you are or or how much of an impact you had on pop culture. Any, have you, either of you ever read William S. Burroughs' Naked Lunch? Uh, no. No, but I saw the movie, and apparently mm -hmm. it's it's uh, much different. It, it, well, if you've ever read the book, there's no possible way they could have adapted it into a movie. The, the movie is sort of some parts of the book, along with a kind of fictionalized version of Burroughs' life, kind of made as one. William S. Burroughs wrote Naked Lunch in 1959, and it changed pop culture completely. William S. Burroughs died penniless, eating two meals a day in a little shack that he was renting for $100 a month. How is that the right way for William S. Burroughs to go down? And then when he finally, a couple of years before he died, finally had an opportunity to make some money. Remember those Nikes, Nike commercials he made in the 90s? Uh, I didn't know he made Nike commercials. Yeah, he did. Hey, 
I'm talking to you. The purpose of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. To make life easier. To make anything, anything possible. It's the coming of the new technology. For the purpose of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. He was called a sellout for that. How dare William Burroughs, writer of Naked Lunch and the, you know, almost the inventor of the modern counterculture? How could he shill for Nike? Because he was flat broke. He had nothing. He was actually broke, not Brendan Fraser broke. Right. <laughs> I, I hate when I when I see people like Brendan Fraser claiming how tough their life is when Hollywood forgot him. Then you look at like like William Burroughs. Yeah. Literally dying penniless, alone, and sick. Or even like like H.P. Lovecraft, like during his time, he really wasn't appreciated. Like hardly anybody actually read his work, and he didn't really make a lot of money. It wasn't until like way later when authors like uh, Stephen King and and he discovered his work, or and people rediscovered his stuff, and then he became this whole big pop culture phenomenon with the whole Cthulhu mythos and all the references and stuff like Dungeons and Dragons and Warcraft and whatnot. But yet he's never going to really see the impact that his work has has uh, made on the world as, as such a huge thing in horror and, and sci-fi uh, because the dude died penniless. Like his work wasn't appreciated in his time. And that's definitely the sadder side of it. I, I don't really feel all that sorry for celebrities that like to completely indulge in all the drugs and, and live as, as expensively as they absolutely can. And then when they crash and burn, it's like, well, hey, fuck you. You did that to yourself. Way to go, Edward Furlong. Good on you for punching Monica Kina in the eye. The ones I'm thinking of are Christian Slater and Val Kilmer. <laughs> they had two of the most spectacular falls from graces that mm. that there were. Well, okay, maybe one other, two others. Jean-Claude mm. Van Damme and Steven Seagal had pretty spectacular fall from graces, too. Oh, God, yeah. Well, Seagal was pretty much, like, because of the divorce... And uh, I, I still feel bad about it. like Van Damme. And, and, I don't. And, but but Seagal also had a string of bombs at the same time too. Yeah. But uh, I, I still feel bad about Van Damme. He's I think he he because he's consistently been making a lot of really good directed video mm. movies. Like he's his are being the best. Sm- I think his are the best, honestly, of the directed yeah, video he, stuff. He, he and Van Damme and Seagal had a weird career path. After they left, they had the exact opposite career path after they left mainstream movies. Seagal got lazier, fatter, and his movies got worse. Van Damme <laughs> got more in shape, learned how to be a better actor, and his movies got better. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of telling. But, like, Van Damme, his fall, I do blame him. He admits mm-hmm. he was a cokehead. He doesn't remember yeah. shooting Street Fighter. He Holy was so shit. coked up at the time. He, he doesn't remember shooting some of his movies. So oh, I can't man. really blame people for c- claiming you're really hard to work with when you're coked out of your mind. You do yeah. that to yourself. It's really sad what happened with Van Damme. Uh, to me, a lot a lot sadder than, than Steven Seagal because, I don't know, Van Damme really, you could see so much. Like, the guy had not only this great action presence, but just a really good-looking guy in great shape, a lot of energy, had the cool foreign appeal about him. He was almost like... like uh, like an aesthetically better looking version of Schwarzenegger, pretty much like it really just a total uh, all the girls were going crazy about the guy. He was on the same level of, of guys like Swayze. And he did. He absolutely f-ed that up by just getting coked out of his mind. And the guy had had kids and just it's I'm glad that he's he's doing better now and that the, the movies he's putting out have been just consistently awesome i just saw pound of flesh last month and that one kicked a lot of ass but i just he's one of those guys that i i wish could have stayed as a as an actual you know blockbuster action star because he should have he he deserved to do it and he that up so and sometimes we never find out exactly what happened look Mm -hmm. at like stephen jeffries Stephen Jeffries, most people will know as Evil Ed from Fright Night, but he had a career outside of that. He was uh, nom- he was almost nominated for an Oscar for Heaven Help Us. He was also in like the comedy Fraternity Vacation, did a Twilight Zone episode, did the Christopher Walken film at close range. He was in Amazing Stories. He was in the 976 Evil movies. He was in the Michael Paré, very underrated movie, Moon 44. Then there's a 
three-year gap, and he's a hardcore gay porn star after that. Literally, he goes from Moon 44 to Virtual Stud, Mechanics by Day, Lube Job by Night, Leather After Midnight, Latin Crotch Rockets, Hunk Hotel, Uncut Glory, Leather Intrusion Case Volume 4, Down to the Wire, Leather Buddies, Transsexual Prostitutes 1 and 2, Manhunt, Cockpit, Butt Blazer, <laughs> Buff and Gay, Black Men, White Men, Private Temptations, Halfway House Studs, Guys Who Crave Big Cocks, Gay Men in Uniform, Seaman You seem a little Training too enthusiastic Day. about this. But do you have ha Happy Scrappy Hero Pup? There's no happy scrappy hero pup, no. But no, no. You gotta remember. You gotta ask the question: What has to happen in your life and career from you to go, from you to go from making mainstream, released in theaters movies to making nothing for three to four years, and then all of a sudden you're a hardcore gay porn star? Something mm. major has to happen in that interim, doesn't it? Um. Yeah, a lot of penis. No, that happened after. <laughs> I don't know. You don't just start doing like it's not like all. Well, I'm pet. You know, I really need money. Hmm. I'm gonna go here. You know, it's like <laughs> I, think, I, I. I think I'd get a job at McDonald's first. You know. Yeah. Same. <laughs> it's like like this sucks, but at least. But it doesn't my ass suck. Doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't suck. Yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, you know I what? If you're he, gay, uh... I'm sure it's I'm sure it's wonderful. But I mean, you know, I can't see. Uh, you know, if that's where you want to go, fine. But you know, yeah. no, no, thank you. I guess the guy wanted to keep up uh, working in the entertainment industry and just nobody was calling and he was like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll just try out gay porn for a while. I don't know. Although I, although I wonder nowadays with gay, with, not with gay, nowadays with porn being so mainstream, is there any tales of a tales. mainstream actress tales? Is there any tales of any mainstream actress that ended up in porn and then made it back because I mean, there's been the only thing I could think of, and it's not porn; it's just softcore. Was it was Alyssa Milano? Alyssa Milano was was you know popular with uh, Who's the Boss and whatnot, and then she did a bunch of softcore movies, and then she came back with Charmed, and like now she's doing a bunch of like Lifetime TV shows and stuff, and so her career is like much you know I mean it's good she managed to kind of make it back from that. Once you've gone from mainstream to porn there usually is no going back. Now, it is much easier to go from starting in porn to go to the mainstream. Someone like Ginger Lynn Allen and a whole bunch of other examples, it's Sasha, not, not as easy Gray to go the other. That's not a business that goes both ways. Sasha Gray is probably the, the most popular example of that. I mean, she's been in some fairly large movies. Uh, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't like the entourage crap at all, but she, you know, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. There is one example of this is the only time in the history of Hollywood where an actress has been able to maintain a hardcore porn career simultaneous to a mainstream Hollywood career and that's Ashlyn Gear. She, she'd, she'd literally be making like Cocksmokers 13 and then she'd <laughs> go to the set of the X-Files then, <laughs> then she'd go and make Butt Slammers 9 and then she'd go to the set of Space Above and Beyond or The One or Final Destination she was making hardcore movies literally during the day and making movies for Fox Entertainment at night. Holy shit. She's a hell of an actress. Yeah. She actually is quite good. You know, that that, that was one of the things that, that made her stand out is that she could pull off both. But usually you can't do one or the other. She is a perfect example of after the fame as well. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the mainstream fame or the porn fame, she quit completely and became a real yeah. estate agent in Texas. <laughs> sounds like so she, was she just doesn't doing... act at all anymore she she sells houses she was just doing what she wanted to do it sounds like like she was able to be a mainstream actress but at the same time she more than likely enjoyed doing porn so she did both of them and you know to her credit made a, obviously a load of money doing both which you know good on her i think because it sounds like she was doing exactly what she wanted to do with her life and now she's selling houses more than likely because she just wants to do it it's just the the next stage in her life and it's it's i think it's really cool when actors do that yeah good for her man for for being able to get out of it i mean it's it's a unless you're in a bad position and you're and you kind of have to do porn then you kind of feel bad but a lot of the the new generation of porn they're getting into it because they want to get into it so mm -hmm. if they get into it they do it for however long and then they are able to get out of it and move on with their life hey 
you know, great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you you came out of it not a junkie, not a, a complete mess. Fa- you know, fantastic. What happens when you have major league superstars that fall so hard so fast that it's almost a it's almost a shock to those of us who like the fans. Do you realize how fast Steve Gutenberg went from an A-list star to a who? In only three years, he went from being an A-list star to being a has-been. Good. <laughs> you don't like Officer Mahoney. No. No, I don't. What? I can't wait till we do our Police Academy I retrospective can't then. Stand, I can't stand Steve Gutenberg. Good. I'm glad his light diminished. F*** that guy. <laughs> You know, you you really have the stonecutters to blame for that. <laughs> Who keeps Steve Gutenberg a star? We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, you've got ones like that or like uh, like Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. Look how fast he fell. Christian Slater. Oh, they're going to say fat. The fat, too. <laughs> hey, guys, remember me? I was Batman. <laughs> well, you've also got, like, Christian Slater. <laughs> I, I think Christian Slater, I've always liked him as an actor. Me too. But mm-hmm. you look at what he's doing, he's starting to rise up now. But look at yeah. what the, look at the stuff he did in the early 2000s. It was like, really? Christian in Slater's in this? <laughs> I, I think he gleamed one too many cubes. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that movie, though. Uh, that the so one do about, I, but... He's like a BMX, like, rad kid. No, 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 that, no. He's a, uh, he's a skateboarder. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because he was going to, he was going to get a brother's justice. A brother's exactly. You beat me to it. That was the alternate title. Was a brother's justice. God, they're both. They both sound like they're like supposed to be gay pornos. Like <laughs> gleaming the gleaming the cube. That's There's a skateboard so, term. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. It is. You were never a skater, were you? No, I wasn't. That you 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 can almost chart their their career progression sometimes you go okay they're in like four or five a-list movies and then a direct-to-video film and then a tv movie mm-hmm. then they're guest starring on a sitcom then they're gone it's usually isn't it kind of sad when you can see their career sliding and there's usually no there's usually no upswing yeah that's that's what i noticed with val kilmer for sure um and he was an actor i really i, I liked him a lot i mean say what you want about batman forever i thought he made a good batman and I he thought... was in a movie with christian slater too yeah mind hunters <laughs> movie was, was terrible that... but christian slater had a pretty glorious was... death yeah it wasn't that bad that was a that was a Rennie harlan like you know mystery kind of thing mm-hmm. with i i like mind hunters fine that was but terrible. Yeah, um, Christian Slater's death is the only great thing about that. <laughs> with uh, with Val Kilmer and Christian Slater, I mean, I, I think Christian Slater definitely got the the long end of the stick there because at least his career has been building again, and he has he's still. I mean, they're they're usually DTV stuff, but he he's he's consistently acting. Whereas Val Kilmer has not only not been in something for a long time, but he's clearly having like some serious health issues like the guy i'm not i'm not saying cancer yeah i'm not saying he looks bad because he's fat or anything but he looks bad because the poor poor guy looks like he's dying it's, it's really it's because really he, making me yeah, um, well he won't do anything about it yeah he, he he found christian science so oh, if god. Uh, god doesn't remove the tumor then it's god's will oh come on ice man the ice man went religious nutso what what about some of the more classic examples like classic star trek with the exception of Leonard Nimoy, all of the classic Star Trek crew basically were has-beens when it came to anything but Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It was so bad in the 70s that Shatner said he literally would take any role as long as the check cleared. He, he wouldn't even read the script before accepting it. It's, okay, it comes with a guaranteed payday. I'll be there to shoot on Monday. That's <laughs> why Shatner is in so many terrible movies in the mid to late 70s because he was just desperate he was willing mm-hmm. to do anything prior to star trek the motion picture re- revitalizing his career kingdom of the spiders is fantastic i don't care what you say yeah, you know movie. what dr mccoy was better fighting giant rabbits <laughs> dr mccoy was in night of the lepus he oh, was in night of the lepus <laughs> kingdom of the spiders is freaking awesome yes you just like it because so. they're stomping on real spiders oh god it's terrifying <laughs> You're but, trying to tell me that that he didn't want to do Barbary Coast? I'm thinking there's a whole lot he didn't want to do. 
What was that one that uh, Shatner did where he, pre- where he uh, played as a serial killer? It's Impulse. Impulse. Yes, that's where it. He, he's a red leisure, red leisure suit wearing... Bleh, a red <laughs> leisure suit wearing... Well, I, I can't call him a serial killer, but a multi-murderer. But, you, you, you know, certain actors get that. Their career falls to the point where they'll, they'll take anything. Well, no, he mm-hmm. got hosed, too, because of that. Because what happened, when Star Trek was in, like, season three or whatever, his wife divorced him, and she did um, she, she did future earnings. So mm-hmm. when that happens, if you lose that gig, you still have to pay whatever. So, like, she was getting, how, like, let's say, a, you know, a million dollars a year or whatever, which, oh. you know, back then was huge. He got fired. You know, he he. Uh, the show got canceled. The show, thank you. The show got canceled. He still had to pay that, Fuck. or else he was going to go to jail. So Ugh. I don't him for taking all these different you know jobs just to yeah. be able to to survive and to pay his leech of a wife or leech of an ex-wife. At least as far as I can tell, Shatner's always been a a decent guy, just working you know whenever he can and uh, never really. I never really heard stories about him being like difficult to work with or anything. He just oh, went th- through. Oh, then you haven't read the right stories. Because <laughs> no, I heard she was sh- more sh- difficult to work with in the past. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, I was gonna say Shatner had two different eras: his pre and post Star Trek. When mm. he was on Star Trek, remember he was on top of the world. He was coming from Boris Karloff's Thriller, The Outer Limits, The Twilight Zone, then to Star Trek, and it was at that era he was an egomaniac by. George Takai, Harlan Ellison, Gene L. Kuhn, Richard Madsen, everybody will back up. He was an egomaniac. It wasn't mm. until he fell that he became humble. So he had to get physically humbled. Well, sometimes well, that happens, you know? Well, at least uh, he didn't stay an asshole. Like, there are a lot of people that fall and are still egomaniac pieces of shit, like Steven Seagal, for instance. Sometimes you get that. Sometimes you get the people who, I'm a movie star now. This is never going to end. Let's buy a mansion. Whereas some people sign the right contracts and get everything settled first. Right. Like recently here in Wisconsin, Screech from Saved by the Bell beat up, a, beat up and stabbed a guy in a, in a bar and is going to jail. And he's flat what? broke. And you're what like, the with fuck? Well, he did a he did a porno where he freaking gave the he gave the girl a dirty Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. But this, <laughs> this yeah, guy's life he's, is just he's, more he's and more bizarre. He's in a Wisconsin jail for stabbing a guy in a bar fight, and he's he's flat broke. And you kind of got to wonder with Saved by the Bell in syndication and on DVD, how can you be broke? Because <laughs> he was in uh, he was even in like the the next class of uh, where he played the principal. Of course, you'd know that. Uh, well, of course, it's, <laughs> it's it's kind of my thing. Yeah. But yeah, he, so he was like the principal. So he's he had money coming from Saved by the Bell. He had money coming from the you know Saved by the Bell, the next class or whatever. Like he had, I mean, and and it show is always on somewhere. Yeah. So you know he's got to be getting a decent residual check. And uh, the guy, there was a um, uh, pro- sometime in the late nineties. There was um, like Oprah or something. They were having like a Saved by the Bell reunion back then. They were interviewed, you know, they were talking to everybody. They were taking questions. And, you know, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was all excited and was answering questions. And then uh, they went to each person and then they finally got like questions to Screech. Dustin Diamond, say his name. Dustin. No, he's an ass. He's Screech. (laughs) If he was a good guy, he'd be Dustin Diamond. He's an ass, so he's Screech. But he was such a dick to his fans that I was like, all right, this guy's got, you know, a problem. He's he can't yeah. overcome the fact that he was like the nerd. But and... he was like the most well-liked character. Like I, I, I always uh, just knowing people who watch that show, everybody's favorite character usually seemed to be Screech. So what the f***s up his ass? No, I was all about Jesse. <laughs> and, then, and then when Showgirls happened, it was one of the greatest days ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it, it must be weird not having anybody come on you. <laughs> it's one of the best worst lines ever. Oh, it's <laughs> terrific. Hey, did, she just she was just at a, the 20th anniversary. They had a screening. Everybody like a... all got AIDS and shit. <laughs> <laughs> you get certain actors that not even actors, but directors, they get used to a certain style. They get used to a certain lifestyle. Like, 
I, I remember like Toby Hooper, who I've shit on many a time on this show, deservedly so, I believe. He kind of got used to working on such high budgets that he doesn't seem comfortable unless he's spending a couple of million dollars. You know, mm. or James Cameron. I mean, he's still famous, but you look at like the stuff he did with Roger Corman, and you look at the early Hemdale stuff. And then you look at the James Cameron of today, and you go, the James Cameron of today could not make a movie for half a million bucks mm-hmm. oh, like God. he could back in the Corman day. He yeah. just couldn't. What happened? What happened to this guy that used to be known on, on the set of Aliens? He was known to be so frugal that he would literally bitch about $10 over on the special effect budget. And you know, he's what, a guy What that, happened to uh, that guy? I don't know. He got Kobe with, uh, with all the money, yeah. Just uh, ended up getting complacent because you don't hear the same stories about him now than you hear uh you know during the filming of, of terminator Colbean was just talking about how cameron was you know he was revved up ready to go doing everything holding the smoke machine running to this running to that he he even makes a, a quip like um uh the the only good thing is is that you know james cameron at least as far as i know can't act so he can't put us all out of a job so it's like he he doesn't uh, you can't really say that about him now because just looking at Avatar compared to a movie like Terminator that had such a a minimal budget Terminator yet has, really when you think about it is yeah. shot like Battle Beyond the Stars and Galaxy of Terror mm-hmm. really oh absolutely it's shot like uh it's, it's honestly shot like a film. Corman film yeah it's very Corman esque and and yet the budget the tiny budget that that film doesn't show it feels like a like a huge movie and that was the James Cameron of yesteryear and nowadays when you look at stuff like Avatar it's like no this this is not the same guy this guy is uh I don't know if I want to say lazy, but I guess he he got complacent. Now he's got all the money, and his movies are maybe more expensive looking. But it's almost the same thing with with John Carpenter. He he made better movies when he had lower budgets. Like if you if you compare Escape from New York to Escape from L.A., to me, Escape from New York honestly feels like a bigger, more grand scale film. Even though Escape from L.A. has like CG and a cleaner camera quality and shit like that. I don't know. Sometimes money or having more of it can can really hinder a, a filmmaker's creativity, and it it's really uh, unfortunate that that happens. What about the fall from grace? And, and this is a, an example of a totally did it to himself, like Corey Haim. Corey Haim was this is still in the VHS days, and that's important here. Corey Haim was such a junkie that mm. at one point in the mid '90s, he was known to have a six thousand dollar a day heroin habit wow and he would literally go into pawn shops buy up all of the vhs's of the movies he had for 15 20 bucks autograph them and then go sell them down the street because he was such a fiend and needed the money how does someone like Corey Haim get that broke yeah because he was huge like Mm -hmm. that that guy that guy was like he was a teen teen icon the Corey's was a thing he was uh, he was part of the you know uh, team of, of actors like the the certain memorable name of, of of actors in the 80s that you just go yeah Corey Haim that's that's one of the dudes that fucking ruled the 80s and yet why 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 do they do this to themselves I don't understand drugs are a hell of a drug <laughs> steal hey, you know my what, line drugs, I did steal your line for uh, the what I had heard I don't know if there's any truth to this. But he was engaged to Nicole Eggert, and when she broke it off, that's when he really like hit it hard and like just went into a, you know turned into a complete just death spiral. I don't understand how you can be that big and then be that broke. Yeah, I mean at least um, he kind of re resurfaced. Unfortunately, he he passed away. But in the later point in his life, it seemed like he was getting his life back on track. He was in the she really good in the second crank movie. I, I thought his his character was hilarious. That um the dude that works at the strip club with the mullet. Yeah, so he was he was kind of getting back up there, and then the poor guy died, and it seemed like it it seemed like it wasn't drug drug related either. He had like pneumonia or something. Guys like Edward Furlong are even more like a lot more depressing because Corey Haim, he he died, but he kind of built his career back up where you have a guy like Furlong who his first movie is Terminator 2. So the first thing he makes, he knocks it out of the fucking park and he shows all this awesome potential. Then, then he makes movies like uh, what's that? The virtual reality brain game scan. one. Brain scan. Brain scan. Brain scan. 
Brain Scan was an, another awesome movie. And no, it was wasn't. Just, yes, yes, it, it was. was. Yes, it was. It the certainly twist was. At the, end is, the twist at the end is a chick sticking her finger up your butt right as you're about to come. No. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I like that. Maybe I like <laughs> that, Josh. Oh, that dude's downward spiral is just, just seeing pictures of him is is the most depressing part. He's so, like the he's guy... so f- he kind of looks like if you photoshopped an image of 90s Edward Furlong to yeah. make it fat and then melted it. He he just looked like I think he did so many so much drugs and drank so much at such a young age that he stopped growing. I think because his <laughs> voice is his still man, his voice still sounds exactly like it did in Terminator 2. He's still like the same height. He just got fat. He just looks like uh, he just looks like a fat kid. And I think it's because he did just everything. Everything was done way, way, way f***ing earlier than it should have ever been uh, to the point where it was worse than guys like Haim and, and Corey Feldman and even, uh, maybe not even Macaulay Culkin. That's, that's a f***ing freak show right there. Um, But with Furlong, because it's not even that he he lost roles and and it just had so much potential and really easily could have been such a big star, but he turned into one of the biggest pieces of shit in in Hollywood too. Like he the guy consistently you know beats up his wife and and just always always something in the news about him being Christian just a, a sack of bit shit. A cop in the belly button. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Remember that? At least that's no. kind of cool. <laughs> That's the depressing, a lot more than uh, than what happened with Corey Haim, I think, because just that really is one of the the true down, horrible, horrible, con- continuous downward spirals of of Hollywood. Because, but do you with, but do you realize how much in '90s terms six six thousand dollars a day in heroin is a lot? That's a lot of heroin, Peter. Yeah. There, there's one other kind of after the fame. This one, I kind of think this is sleazy, where. You made a couple of movies, maybe in the 70s and 80s, and now you're just coasting on those and living off of the con scene. Those people that have not been in a new movie and have not had a job since, say, 1988, and their entire living is autographing VHSs, posters, and DVDs of their one or two big films. That, to me, is kind of sleazy, isn't it? But No, it's not. Because it's not like they're going over to people's houses and taking the money out of their pockets. They're going to these cons and whatnot, and people are coming to see them, and they're yeah. But isn't that the ultimate laziness? Yeah, no. I made that movie no, you know what the years ultimate... ago. Yeah, you guys still like it. 20 bucks. No, you know what the ultimate laziest, the ultimate laziness is? Not doing anything. They don't do anything anymore. I mean, to me, it's just kind of, you're living off the past. So? You can't let so... your one or two big accomplishments go but some of these actors like like uh i think one of the people you're probably referencing to is god damn it and her name escapes me right now but uh who's the who's in? the lead the lead chick from uh, nightmare on elm street oh heather langenkamp yeah like she didn't no, really no, no, do no, no heather langenkamp moved behind the scenes she she's a producer and does a lot of the uh the costuming and makeup and that in a bunch of movies like the Dawn of the Dead remake and stuff like that. So Heather Lankenkamp might not be in front of the camera anymore, but yeah. she's still working. There's also a uh, Mark Mark Patton from Nightmare 2 who didn't do a lot of like movie stuff, but he he seems like a genuinely cool dude and I love Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So I think it's great that he's still going to the the conventions and actually interacting with his fan base and stuff. Like I mean, some of these people they just don't they don't do that many movies and then they kind of like he disappeared to Mexico for like 30 years and then kind of he, he resurfaced and embraced the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. And I'm, I'm glad that he did. I, I don't really see it as a sleazy thing. Uh, it's just kind of it's their way of, I guess, continuing to work because it's like, why would you go off and get a, a nine to five office job or, or go work, you know, with whatever like a regular job when you can still make money off of your career like maybe it it might seem a bit lazy and maybe it seems a bit sleazy but it's like wouldn't you rather do that like wouldn't you rather show up get a get a paycheck for showing up at a con rather than you know going off and you know working at some some office or a call center or or whatever like i don't know I, i i would definitely choose to be haven't haven't done a movie in 20 years and is isn't going that to conventions though, but but isn't that the ultimate kind of i used to be a big star you know but who gives a <laughs> shit 
<laughs> like like what 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 they're not hurt it's they're not hurting anybody they're not yeah. doing anything bad they're not doing anything illegal they're going somewhere where people want to see the exactly where, they wouldn't why they wouldn't, wouldn't you go like if i could go somewhere where people would be willing to pay to talk to me are you yeah. fucking kidding me Obviously, yeah. Obviously, these people want to see them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be at the conventions. People are big fans of these of these actors. What whether that whether they've done a movie in thirty years or not, people are are paying to go see them. So that's I don't know. It it seems like a like a logical step to take in your career if that's what you're gonna do. I mean, people want to see you, so why not show up to the conventions? I mean, why the hell not? Isn't it kind of exploiting the cult status? Of no. especially horror cons. Not really. Because, I mean, like, there are some actors like uh, Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan never even realized that Monster Squad was a cult film. He was <laughs> asked at his the first con he ever went to in 2007. They asked him, at what point did you realize Monster Squad had a cult following? He said, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> he had no clue, people. Because remember, the DVD is not out yet at this point, so you can only get it on VHS and Laserdisc. He's like, mm. I have no people, no, no concept that people are paying $40 for a VHS of this and that they're willing <laughs> to pay me 30 bucks to autograph it. That's the ultimate in non-exploitation, I think. Tom Noonan always comes across to me in every interview as like he's a really cool dude, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, with him, he's he's been like a consistently working actor, though, and he's a damn good one, too. Like, this is a... Like, I could see why he maybe kind of forgot about Monster Squad because... It bombed his, initially. Well, the caliber of his acting ability, like, this is a guy who does, like, genuine movies. Like, well, not to say that Monster Squad isn't a genuine movie, but actual dramatically trained amazing actor who movies like that probably do um escape from his mind and slip through his fingers and he kind of forgets about them because he's constantly working and he's he's always making like pretty big movies and, and starring uh as as uh very memorable characters so I, I can see how how he would have that attitude because like oh monster squad i thought about that movie in like 20 years if he's going to start going to some cons and stuff, especially somebody of his caliber, that's awesome because yeah. uh, I think the cons are getting a little bit more not as uh, niche. Like you're starting to get people that are still making movies and whatnot and yeah. are showing up to these things. And now, granted, like San Diego Comic Con is getting freaking ridiculous because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're getting like A listers there to like. Uh, uh, you know, to do panels and stuff. And I mean, and that's awesome, but it just makes it impossible to get into because it's yeah. like, all right, well, if you don't live nearby there, all right, well, now you got to like fly out there and, and wait in line for a two days and uh, just to go see a trailer of a movie or something. But uh, I kind of like that uh, some actors like Noonan and uh, even some smaller, uh, like lesser known directors are going to that are getting like some recognition it's cool because other you know you're not going to be able to meet these people any other way so yeah but but isn't there sort of an inherent greed you know thirty dollars for a signature or recently it came out that jamie lee curtis canceled going to a con that she was booked at because they were only going to pay her a ten thousand dollar appearance fee plus Mm. all she got to her her deal was I want fifteen thousand bucks, and I get to keep all of the income from the from thirty dollars signatures. I that just those, comes across uh, to me as straight well, up greed. Well, okay, those, uh, you... those Activia commercials, I guess, aren't uh, paying her as much as she'd <laughs> like them to. Yeah, only offering her a ten thousand dollar appearance fee. F- okay. You. Well, <laughs> have you now the the way that I look at it is from the the whole uh, the truth is in the middle. So I'm sure you're hearing the con side of things, and I'm sure she hasn't said anything about it. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's probably more to it than just uh, now. I'm not saying that she's not, you know, wanting more money, but there's always a little additional. Oh well, yeah. uh, we forgot that uh, we were doing this. To, you know, to, to, we're taking this percentage off the top or something, or you know, who knows? You know, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, but but then you've got people. But then you got people like Eric Roberts who honor their deals even if it's a bad deal when he made project Mm. solitude he told me to my face if i'd known it was going to be this cold i would have asked for more money (laughs) but he still did his job even though he would have liked more money for it he did his job 
I think there is more to it, though, to the Jamie Lee Curtis thing. Like, I don't think it's entirely her or even her being like it's what Cecil is saying that it might be only coming from one side at this point. Well, but mm-hmm. then you've got, you know, speaking of like the cons and the greed in that you've got like Robert Englund. I realize he was Freddy, but mm. Robert Englund, one of the writers in his contract is he will not appear at a con unless he's the headliner. He won't appear in the, oh, also Robert Englund or anything. It's, no, this con stars Robert Englund. Everyone else is under me. I just mm. go, f*** you. You seem to have a hate boner towards all these conventions. I hate ego. I hate ego. I but hate they're... the ego that comes with being a mo- with the, these movie stars and the superstars. I hate the ego of it. But, I mean, but... In, in a way, isn't it kind of, aren't we kind of showing uh, an ego by, by doing a podcast or by doing online shows. I mean, obviously we want, we want people to uh, watch our product. And, I'm pretty and like sure we're all pretty down to earth. Well, we the, are. The, the, the I, was, Peter, I was, but now I'm famous. Right. The, Cecil, right. the Cecil and Peter that I know off mic are the same people that I'm talking to right now. And I, I don't know if you'd say the same about me or not, but I don't I would, think yeah. we go. I don't think we go into this with an ego. We go into well, this for, as as fans w- talking to other fans. And there's a reason I don't charge for this. I've seen other podcasts and whatnot that that charge you. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a monthly fee or whatnot. I say no. I'm talking to the fans. It's free. I want to I want to have a conversation with both of you and with you listening. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't think there's ego involved. So I, I got to disagree, Peter. I don't think it's the same. Ah, well, I, I think there are actors that are definitely fans of just of, of movies that are that are that want to be actors because they love movies and they had their own favorite actors that they looked up that they looked up to and they want to kind of give something like that to to other viewers and, and to fans of, of moviegoers and they want people to have the same kind of experiences that that they had. So uh, some actors definitely have the the huge ego trips. I mean, I didn't know that about Robert Wood at all. Like that's that is kind of that is scummy in my opinion to uh, to be like I have to be the headliner or, or whatever. Like that's kind of shitty. I mean, the guy was Freddie and he was uh, he will be an icon forever. But but there are actors that I think are very down to earth and they they are just fans like we are and then they just want people to have you know the the same kinds of cool experiences that they had growing up watching with uh with their favorite movies so i, I think it's it's kind of a it's it's a split and there are a lot of uh, a lot of different people in the industry some of them are are pieces of shit and some of them are just really cool dudes that are that are fans of a lot of stuff and that, that geek out about a lot of stuff you know dudes like dudes like henry rollins and, and shit like that so i i think it's it's a little bit little bit of everything to to go along some some actors know how to deal with it well, and uh, other ones decide to make a weird boy band album. Uh, it's a shame because um, there are a lot of there are a lot of jerks that continue to to make money in the industry and continue to succeed even though they churn out crap. Uh, and then you have other people who genuinely went in they were good actors they were good actresses or whatever good directors and they just caught a string of bad luck and they ended up down on their luck and ended up in a bad place some of them were at least smart enough to not do drugs uh other ones got addicted to drugs and ended up like Corey Haim and and it's a shame it really is a shame so uh the whole thing is just it's just sad when uh you know after they're out of movies and they end up just kind of penniless and living out of their cars i mean it's it's terrible because a lot of times mm. people are still watching their movies and enjoying them and they have no idea that there's people that still like them it okay the the ultimate story about that the guy who wrote once bit the 1986 jim carrey comedy which is actually funny i think even though mm. he says they butchered his script completely he really didn't work in hollywood again he was working at a blockbuster video in the 90s, and some lady came up and returned Once Bitten and said, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Whoever wrote this piece of shit should never be allowed to work again. Oh, <laughs> man. Unknowingly saying that to the man who wrote it. Oh. That's where you kind of go, oh. Yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. You know what else sucks? Cecil, where can people find you? 
Hey. <laughs> hey, I mean suck in the sexual act, not in quality. Um, I see. In that case, uh, you can find me at escapistmagazine.com. You can find me at goodbadflicks.com, Facebook, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, geekjuicemedia.com. Peter, where can people find you if they want to see you only mildly suck? Uh, you can see me mildly suck um, on Twitter at Cinematica, YouTube, Cinemasticus, Facebook, The Cinemasticus, and on 1201beyond.com. You can see my my popularity just diminishing and spiraling down. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm not popular to begin with. <laughs> popular with me. Yes. And me too. Yay. You can find me at the aforementioned 1201beyond.com where, you know, I suck. And you can contact <laughs> me about my suckage at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And remember, guys, just because you're famous now doesn't mean it's never going to stop. Just because your Pixels review went viral doesn't mean you're ever going to have a career doing anything except yelling vulgarities into a webcam. Oh, movie stop, Bob. Stop yelling at Movie Bob. <laughs> movie Bob sucks. Leave him alone. <laughs>
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.